Let's take our Bibles tonight, please. Turn to 1 Kings, uh, 1 Kings uh, chapter 10. We're almost halfway through the book now. Uh, we're, we're really at the end tonight, this uh, final chapter of the period of Solomon's rule where he was doing relatively well spiritually. Uh, not perfect, of course, as, as we pointed out along the way, but relatively well spiritually. Uh, if you've got your place here, if you've uh, arrived in, in 1 Kings chapter 10, uh, kind of mark that, and if you would, flip back to chapter 3 also. Flip back to 1 Kings uh, chapter 3. Um, what I want us to see here tonight um, is another example of God's faithfulness to keep his promises. Our uh, are you thankful tonight for a God who is faithful to keep his promises? Has the Lord kept his promises to you? Amen. <laughs> I've been asking you a lot lately, right? And it's a good question to be asked. It's a good question to consider. Uh, it's a good question to prompt uh, sort of a consideration and to remind ourselves. Uh, and, and to remind ourselves, to remind our hearts, hey, the Lord has made promises to me. Uh, and, and sure enough, he's been faithful to keep his promises. So look back here in, in chapter 3, uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, and we'll pick it up here uh, in verse 5. This is that first time uh, where the Lord appeared to Solomon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this, and we're going to look at this quickly. I'm going to pray, and then we'll come back and jump into chapter 10 tonight. Uh, so 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, the Bible says, In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, uh, by night. And God said, what, sorry, ask, uh, what shall I give thee? Solomon said, thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. Uh, and Lord, thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son himself, Solomon, to sit on his throne uh, as it is this day. Verse 7 says, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant, myself, king, instead of David my father. Uh, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. Verse 8, Thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen. A great people cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Now here's his ask in verse 9, Solomon's request to the Lord. He could have asked for anything, you recall. Verse 9, he says, Give therefore, Lord, you give to me, thy servant, an understanding heart to judge thy people, that or so that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? Uh, and the speech pleased the Lord. The Lord was pleased with Solomon's request. Uh, that Solomon had asked this thing. Verse 11, and God said unto him, uh, to Solomon, here's the Lord's response and his promise to Solomon. He says, verse 11, because thou hast asked this thing and has not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked uh, riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hath instead uh, ask for thyself understanding to discern judgment. He asked for wisdom. Look at verse 11. Behold, God continues. He said, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart 
so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. There'll be no one wise like you. Verse 11, and, God continues, another promise, and I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. You will be the wisest, you will be the wealthiest. Verse 14, and if thou will walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will, I also will lengthen thy days. God promised Solomon unmatched wisdom uh, and unparalleled wealth. And he said, if, if you obey me, if you walk according to my words, I will also bless you uh, with long days, with long life. Those are great promises. Uh, those are great promises. So keep that in mind. Uh, I want to pray, and then we'll turn back to 1 Kings 10. Sound good? All right, that's what we'll do. Father, thank you, Lord, tonight for uh, being a God who makes great promises uh, to his people. Lord, thank you tonight that we can know from your word that you're a God who is able to keep his promises, and you're a God who is faithful to keep his promises to your people. Lord, we don't have to worry about that. You've, you've shown us that there's no need for concern. You're able and you're faithful to keep your promises. Lord, you've promised those of us who have placed our faith in Christ uh, forgiveness. You've promised us everlasting life, life eternal. You've promised us blessings in eternity. Uh, you've promised us that we've been saved from the consequence of sin. We've been saved from hell if there's been a time that we have placed our faith in Christ, having repented of sin. Lord, thank you tonight that anyone who's made that decision does not have to worry. Your promises are certain. You're able and you're faithful. Lord, thank you so very much. I pray tonight as we look at 1 Kings 10, uh, Father, that uh, our faith uh, would be encouraged greatly tonight. Lord, work here tonight for your honor in your glory. I pray, Father, that you'd comfort and encourage our hearts as you do. Lord, thank you for working in my heart tonight. I'm grateful. I pray that you do the same for each of us now. Lord, I pray for uh, Art and, and Gary as they're traveling. I understand they're stuck in traffic. I pray you have your hand on, on Ray and Raffi as well. I understand they had a problem tonight. Thank you that they're okay, but have your hand upon them too. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Uh, we ask that you work here now in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Amen. So 1 Kings 10 now. 1 Kings 10, uh, beginning in verse 1. This is the chapter, if you've been reading ahead, and I want to encourage you to keep doing that. Keep reading ahead. This is the chapter where the queen of Sheba comes uh, and, and visits Solomon. Now, we're not exactly sure where uh, Sheba is. There's, there's a couple of good theories uh, probably Arabia, probably that part of the world, uh, southwest Arabia, perhaps modern Yemen, if you think a little bit about Middle Eastern geography. Others have held that, no, it's probably further uh, south and east in, in Ethiopia, and, and perhaps the Ethiopian eunuch is sort of a, a spiritual descendant of of uh, the Queen of Sheba. Zach and I were talking about this earlier. He said, doesn't really matter, Dad, does it? No, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't really matter where exactly she came from. But what we do know is that she traveled 
uh, hundreds of miles in either case, upwards of a thousand miles each way uh, in, in either case. And so, well, it'd be a great distance in either case. Uh, so uh, it was very important to her that uh, she get to visit Solomon. It was, it was important to her. So consider that. Um, let's jump in here. First Kings chapter 10, uh, verse 1. Uh, the Bible says this, when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon uh, concerning the name of the Lord, uh, she came, the uh, Bible says, to prove him uh, with hard questions. So it seems like uh, she came uh, having heard about his wisdom, uh, Mike, and, and having heard and, and understood that this was somehow related to the Lord, to, the, to Solomon's God, uh, she understood. She, she had heard the reports that uh, the, the, the king there in, in Jerusalem, he, he had this incredible, unparalleled wisdom like no one had had, and, and it was explained by, it was attributable to uh, a promise that his God, the Lord, Jehovah, had made uh, to him. She, she understood that. So uh, she probably couldn't believe it. She probably couldn't hardly believe it, and so she came uh, to see for herself. Now, she might observe wisdom casually, but uh, evidently there was kind of a tradition between leaders uh, of that day where, where they, would, uh, they, they would test each other. They, they would quiz or, or test each other, especially uh, if one ruler or one leader had a reputation for being particularly skillful or good or knowledgeable uh, or wise or whatever it was. They uh, it was kind of sport for them, it would seem. They, they would kind of test each other back and forth, and, and maybe it was sort of a game for them, but also helped them to uh, understand perhaps who they were dealing with uh, as well. So this probably, this historical uh, understanding probably explains uh, the phrase, she came to prove him, uh, to test him, to try him, uh, to test whether or not this uh, famous wisdom that he had was really a thing or if it was just a rumor or perhaps it was greatly exaggerated. So uh, she came to prove him or to test him uh, with hard questions, with, with difficult things. Verse 2 says this, she came to Jerusalem uh, with a very great train, uh, which probably refer, refers to her entourage. She had a uh, very significant entourage. She is a queen uh, in the Middle East, and, and she's traveling a great distance. She would need a lot of support, uh, a, a lot of goods. Many, many others would be traveling with her. She had a very great train uh, with camels that bear spices, uh, and Arabia would be known for that, and very much gold uh, and precious stones. This, these are later um, uh, revealed to be gifts that she would bring uh, to Solomon, probably to curry favor with him. She's uh, probably come to understand if his wisdom is real uh, and so forth, but there's probably also a kind of a commercial interest as well. If she could benefit from trading with Solomon, who, who had pr pretty significant trade uh, happening in the region. We saw some allusions to that in the last chapter. Uh, with his um, fleet of ships and, and the trade that he was involved with. She, she probably thought, hey, there's, there's a business opportunity, uh, particularly with a man who, who's so wise. Uh, we can, we, maybe there's some mutual benefit. And so uh, no doubt she comes at least in part 
uh, to explore that possibility. The sport of it is to see if this wisdom thing that she's heard so much about is real. Uh, but she comes with gifts, probably with a desire to curry favor with him, uh, perhaps just to be at peace with him, but probably uh, with sort of a, a commercial or business or trade motive as well. Uh, so she came with camels bearing spices, much gold, precious stones. When she was come to Solomon, verse 2, she communed uh, with him of all that was in her heart. She began to share with him. Uh, she began to prove him with difficult questions, questions that uh, we don't know exactly what they were, but, but questions that would be require him to uh, or, or uh, oblige him to answer wisely if he could. Verse 3, Solomon told her all her, her questions. Uh, evidently, Mikey answered all of her hard questions, uh, proving that sure enough, he had wisdom like nobody has had wisdom before. Uh, he's, uh, the Bible says, uh, second part of verse 3, there was not anything uh, hid from the king uh, which he told her not. She asked difficult questions that would require great wisdom to answer, and he just answered it. Uh, he, he, he put on the show uh, that, that she desired to, to be entertained by and uh, to understand uh, this uh, to, to the extent to which uh, the rumors uh, were true. And evidently, what she, the, the, these three verses here imply that sure enough, she, uh, she heard with her own ears, the wisdom of Solomon. Now, we say it's the wisdom of Solomon, but Marilyn, it's really the wisdom of the Lord that he gave to Solomon, right? God said, I'm going to promise you uh, to make you the wisest that ever has been. So it's, it's God working in Solomon, his man. Uh, it's the wisdom of, of, of the Lord working in and through Solomon. And again, Sheba seems to understand this. There's, there's, she, uh, she makes reference to this back in verse 1. So uh, there's the wisdom. Um, did God promise that wisdom? He did promise it. That's what we saw, right? That, or just we, we reminded ourselves uh, back in chapter 3. God promised it. And, and here is just one more testimony uh, to the fact that God kept his promise. We've seen many uh, examples of Solomon's wisdom applied practically in the last chapter and the chapter before that, the wisdom that went into the building projects and, and the trade uh, and, and everything that he did for the most part, not perfectly, but overall, uh, all that he did reflected this superb, this supreme wisdom that God promised and God delivered. He's a God who keeps his promises. Sheba's heard this. Uh, and now she's, she's seen it for herself. She's heard it for herself. Yes, this, this Lord, their, their God, uh, Jehovah, sure enough, there, there seems to be something to this. So as God kept his promise to Solomon, evidently it influenced Sheba. We'll come back to that thought uh, in, in a few minutes. That's his, that's his uh, wisdom. What was the other W that God promised him, Rich? He promised him wisdom, unparalleled, and what else? Wealth, wealth unmatched. Uh, well, she saw that too. Look at verse 4. When the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom uh, and the house that he had built uh, and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and uh, the attendance of his ministers and their apparel uh, and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up to the house of the Lord. Uh, we don't know exactly what that's describing, but, but apparently there was some path or, or road uh, that went from his, uh, his palace, uh, his house, 
uh, to the temple, uh, God's house, uh, and it was very impressive to, to look upon, evidently. So uh, she sees all that he has. She heard his wisdom, and now she begins to see all that, that he has, uh, and she's just overwhelmed by both his wisdom uh, and his wealth. How, how overwhelmed is she? Well, look at the end of verse 5. The Bible says uh, there, was, there was what? Read the rest of the verse with me, please. There was no more spirit uh, in her. Uh, the, the underlying word, the word spirit, underlying word, I didn't check it, but I assume it's that Hebrew word ruach, which can be translated spirit or breath. Uh, it can allude to wind also, but, but here probably breath. Probably the literal idea is that she, as she heard his wisdom and looked upon his wealth, that which God delivered as he had promised, uh, her breath was taken away in amazement. She was just, she stood there in awe of all that she had heard and all that she was seen. Uh, it made her breathless. Were, were you ever so much in awe of something that it almost made you breathless? Uh, maybe you've been to a place which just was so beautiful, uh, or um, maybe uh, there was an event, a wedding, or something like that, that it almost took your breath away. You were just in awe uh, of the scene. You were in awe of what you were hearing and, and what you were seeing. There was no more spirit in her. She was breathless, made breathless uh, with amazement. I'm going to say right there, that, that last phrase of verse 5 is a wonderful testimony, Brother Art, to the Lord's faithfulness to keep his promises. He promised Solomon wisdom that would be unmatched. He promised his, him wealth that would be unmatched. When, when this foreign queen came and saw it, she could hardly believe it. It was that real. It was, it was that true. God's ability and his faithfulness to keep his promises to his people is that true. It's that real. You stop to think about it sometimes. Maybe it'll take your breath away. It probably should. We, 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 we should be that taken back by uh, the awesome faithfulness of our God. Not surprised. Uh, I've, I've shared it in the past. I get, I get uh, angry at myself, Brother Mike, when, when I get surprised at, at, at how incredible and faithful God is, his, his ability to answer uh, great prayers. I find myself surprised. I think, oh, you shouldn't be surprised. That, that's just who God is. That, that's what God's like. But uh, we're, still, we're still learning how awesome God is. Uh, and she was too. She was, she was coming to understand with her own ears and her own eyes uh, how awesome the Lord is. Verse 6, she said uh, to the king, uh, it was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thine acts and thy wisdom. Uh, verse 7, how be it? I believed not the words until I came. I couldn't believe it. I had to come and hear it and see it for myself uh, until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. It was more awesome than she had heard. It was more awesome than she could imagine. Uh, it was greater than she could fathom in her wildest dream. That's how able and faithful God was to deliver on his promise uh, to Solomon. Uh, listen, I, I, I think I've said this already tonight. You, you get the idea, I, I'm sure. God is no less able and no less faithful today. Amen? Church, amen? 
He makes promises. He's promised to meet the basic needs of those who come to Christ in faith, those that, who have sought Christ and, and his righteousness. And, and you know from your experience, if you've repented of sin and placed your faith in Christ, if you've been saved, you know that's true. You know God is that faithful. He's that able uh, and that faithful. And, and, and maybe you've been amazed by that. We, we should be. Uh, we should be amazed by that. And that, that should... Uh, that should just uh, encourage a great gratitude, a great awe uh, at the power and faithfulness of the Lord, and of course, uh, a great faithfulness and a great gratitude, a great thankfulness uh, upon uh, our part, on on our part. Uh, Let's go on here. So she's seen his wisdom, she's seen his wealth, uh, and she also observes and marvels at the happiness of, of his servants. Verse 8, happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants, uh, which stand continually before thee, uh, and that hear thy wisdom. That's interesting that she would comment on that, and and the Lord uh, saw fit to uh, have that to be inscripturated. Uh, She marveled that that must be, uh, Gary, that was not something that she necessarily saw amongst her own servants. Uh, there, there was not a happiness, there was not a joy, there was not the blessedness that comes with uh, knowing the Lord. They, they might have thought it was a privilege to serve Queen Sheba. Uh, no doubt they, they, they were impressed in their ability to achieve a, a place, uh, some position where, where they got to serve the queen rather directly. But evidently this, this joy and, and this happiness amongst the Lord's people was unfamiliar to her. So she, she sees not only uh, wisdom that obviously came from the Lord, she sees wealth that obviously came from the Lord. She's not seen it anywhere else, probably not the first trip she's made to visit a foreign king. Uh, in instance, she sees this happiness, uh, this peace, uh, this joy that was unlike what she uh, was familiar with. Uh, the Lord can keep his promises and Brother Art, he, he can deliver even on top of that, right? Uh, he could deliver uh, joy and peace and happiness on top of those things that, that he promised. And, uh, and evidently, uh, he did. Uh, it's interesting here. Um, we've made the observation, I think last week, that Solomon seemed, he's a real person in history. We know that. But it does seem to be the case that the Lord is... Uh, sovereignly orchestrating uh, events in his life uh, such that his life, his, uh, his rule in many ways pictures uh, Christ. He, he's a servant king. Uh, he rules with great wisdom. He has great uh, wealth. Uh, all of that perhaps alludes to or pictures uh, Christ uh, in, in his millennium. Uh, one man, one man says, "You know what? I to just carry that thought a step further. If you think about what you've seen just in these first eight, seven or eight verses, uh, so you, you see this this man who who pictures Christ, uh, and then you see this peace and happiness and prosperity." He said, "You know what? He said I can't help but think that uh, although this this is true history, he said I can't help but but wonder if the Lord doesn't also intend uh, for this to be a foreshadow." Or, or an allusion to a picture of the future millennial reign of Christ where uh, there'll be peace and happiness and, and prosperity and 
people will know wisdom uh, in the presence of the Lord. You just, you just can't help but uh, begin to think that. There's some other allusions to Christ in this chapter as well. We'll, uh, we'll keep going uh, and, and we'll, we'll look for that along the way. Uh, verse 9 is an important verse. Uh, she became, in verse 1, acknowledging that if this rumor or, or uh, legend of Solomon was true, his God, the Lord, Jehovah, must have something to do with it. Now that she's seen it, look at verse 9. See her response. Other than being awed, uh, her response in verse 9 is very interesting. She says, blessed be the Lord thy God. Uh, it, it seems that she has been impressed by the power of God, the Lord, in Solomon's life. She says, blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee. So she's, she's convinced that the Lord is real, uh, that he really has been active in Solomon's life. And, and, and she begins to bless and, and to worship the Lord. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee, to set thee on the throne. Uh, she says, hey, God, God is the one who, who obviously set you on the throne. Uh, because the Lord loved Israel forever, therefore he made uh, the king to do judgment and justice. And that's allusion to the wisdom that she understands the Lord gave him. So she, she has been convinced that the Lord is. Uh, he, he's, he's God. He, he is the one. Uh, because what she has seen could only be explained by the God of Israel, the God of Solomon. Uh, this, this has moved her to the point of acknowledging the Lord. Now, keep your place here, but flip ahead, please, in the New Testament to Matthew chapter 12. I know we just finished Matthew after like a year and a half, but do me the favor, please. Uh, flip ahead to Matthew chapter 12, please. Uh, the Lord very plainly references the Queen of Sheba, the same Queen of Sheba, uh, who visited Solomon. Jesus himself, during his earthly ministry, makes reference to her, and he very clearly implies uh, that she was saved somewhere along the way. Look, look here in Matthew 12, verse 42. So if you're in Matthew 12, look down at verse 42. Matthew 12, 42. Jesus says this. He said, The queen of the south shall rise up uh, in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, uh, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, uh, and behold, a greater than Solomon uh, is here. So Lord, uh, yes, he, he compares himself to Solomon, but uh, in this verse, he makes reference to the queen of Sheba, who would take part in a resurrection of people uh, who would be in, involved in, in judging or, or ruling uh, with the Lord, evidently in his millennial reign, because you know in Matthew's Matthew's gospel, he's always uh, looking ahead to the millennium. Now, if if that is the case, if that's the resurrection that that she will know, uh, Zach pretty clearly she had to be saved, right? And so uh, she uh, probably probably uh, is saved back in this uh, visit uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, to to see to to see what Solomon is uh, and really to te she you know she came testing him but I think she really came testing uh, is his Lord the, the real God uh, what what has what what really is accomplished in Solomon's life and does it demand that the Lord be the one true God 
evidently she understood that if there was evidence for that, she'd do well to place her faith in, in that God, the Lord. Uh, whether or not verse 9 is the exact moment uh, in our passage uh, or not, uh, very plainly the Lord himself indicates that uh, she's saved somewhere along the way. So, Brother Art, God had many purposes to promise Solomon wisdom and wealth and the other things that he promised him. He, you know, he, he had his purposes for that within uh, the, the kingdom and, and in terms of the covenant that had been made with David, carrying that out and demonstrating his power, uh, all, all of those things. But plainly, the Lord also used that to impress upon a lost woman from outside of Israel, you know, a, a Gentile, yeah, the, the, the Lord is, is God. He, he's the one that you need to know. He had all kinds of purposes. Uh, it wasn't just about blessing Solomon. He, he had all kinds of purposes, including saving the lost. He, that's awesome, amen? Uh, if, if God has blessed you greatly uh, beyond explanation, and it doesn't have to be wealth, right? It could be wisdom, it could be joy, it could be any variety of ways the Lord has blessed you. Uh, don't hide that, right? Don't, don't hide that under a bushel. Uh, let that be known. Let, let lost people hear about that. Let them see that. Uh, that might just open a door to share the gospel, and that might just lead to them being saved. Uh, evidently, it, it did for the Queen of Sheba. So let's, let's go back. Let's, let's continue. Uh, in the in the passage now, uh, verse ten. So we're we're, we're back in First Kings uh, ten, uh, and verse ten. The queen began to bless Solomon uh, with gifts, and I don't know about you, but as I look at the list of gifts, it makes me think about what's being pictured here. So so see it, verse ten. And she gave the king a hundred and twenty talents of gold. By the way, we could do the math. That's over five tons of gold. How much is gold? What's the price of gold right now? Does anyone know? Uh, do you know? It, it, it could be. It's probably gone up a lot uh, recently and over the past couple of years. It, it's probably gone up a lot. So you, you, you could begin to, cal- and that's, that's an ounce, right? So you could begin to calculate how much five and a half tons of, of gold be worth. It's it's just tremendous uh, wealth that she gave him. Uh, and spices, uh, very great store, a great amount, and uh, precious stones. Didn't we see that verse, that, that phrase on Sunday? Uh, it was precious, what kind of stone? Do you remember that we saw on Sunday morning? Uh, cornerstone, right? Uh, there, came no more, uh, there came no more such abundance of spices as these, which the Queen of Sheba gave to uh, King Solomon. Now, uh, we've suggested more than once now that um, Solomon pictures his, his reign and his attributes that God has given him pictures who? Who? Christ. Uh, yeah, in so, so many ways. Um, and, and then I see gold... And, and spices uh, and, and precious stones. What were the gifts that were given to Christ what were the, at his, when the wise men came? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Aren't frankincense and myrrh um, spices? We know they have significance, but they were, they were valuable gifts um, that, that might have been given to anyone. 
We also know that they were um, used often uh, in burial because of the smell, the good smell, um, and they were given to Christ perhaps as an acknowledgement of his royalty, not like unlike what we see here, but perhaps alluding uh, to his, his death as well. I, I just can't help but wonder when I see gold and, and spices, uh, thinking about the gifts that the wise men brought, the wise men brought uh, to the one who is called the precious cornerstone. You just can't help but wonder if this is the Lord orchestrating uh, events such to just again point us back ahead to Christ. Sir. I think it's a reasonable assumption, but we don't know, right? We, we don't know. We might assume that it's reasonable, but we don't know exactly. Uh, so put that on your list of questions that we hope will be answered uh, in heaven, right? You have a list like that, just things you hope that will be made clear to you uh, when we get home to the Lord. I, I have a list, and I, and I think the Lord will, will choose graciously to make those things clear. Anyway, I, you know, I just I look at a verse like verse 10, uh, and just wonder if, if this is not the Lord pointing us ahead to uh, the one the one who is pictured uh, in the life and, and reign of Solomon. It's just a it's just a good possibility. By the way, that was Isaiah twenty eight sixteen, where Christ is pictured as a precious cornerstone. We saw that on Sunday morning, uh, Isaiah twenty eight sixteen, verse eleven. And the navy also of Hiram, uh, Hiram was king of where church. Starts with a T. Tire. Uh, Navy also of Hiram that brought gold from Ophir, uh, brought in from Ophir uh, great plenty of almug trees and precious stones. Verse 12, the king made of the almug trees pillars for the house of the Lord uh, and for the king's house. He, he took what was given uh, to be used in service to the Lord. Good principle to observe there. Harps also. Uh, and psalteries for singers, things received, were employed in the worship of God uh, as worship to him, principle worthy of noting there. They ca uh, there came no such almug trees, nor were seen un uh, unto this day. Just great abundance, uh, blessing Solomon. You can see the Lord's hand all over this. As he has been relatively faithful, uh, the Lord has blessed with great abundance as he has promised and graciously, right? Graciously, because he's not been perfectly obedient uh, or perfectly faithful. Uh, verse 14, uh, more reference to his gold. Now the weight of the gold that came to Solomon in one year, so the, the gold that he would earn in one year was 600, three score and six. How much is that? Uh, six hundred and three score six. What what would be the, what would be the, modern way to express that? How much is a score? Twenty. So three score is, twenty forty sixty. So it's six hundred sixty and six. Six hundred sixty six, uh, talents of gold. We know that number is, uh, associated with wickedness in in Revelation, but but not here. Doesn't seem to be the case here. That's interesting. Uh, anyway, this would be more than 25 tons of gold, more than 25 tons of gold uh, coming into Solomon's uh, accounts 
uh, on an annual basis, at least that's implied, uh, through various efforts, gifts, and no doubt his commercial activities being alluded to here as well. Verse 15, beside that he had of the merchant men and of the traffic of the spice merchants uh, and of all the kings of Arabia and of the governors of the country. This seems to allude to tribute that would be paid by mostly foreign uh, merchants who would travel through the land, right? So you think about where Israel was. It, it was really at the very center uh, of the world, at, at least at that time. It was uh, positioned um, really uh, as, as a bridge between Africa to the south and Asia to the north and east and, and, and uh, Europe up to the north and, and the west. And commerce traveled necessarily through uh, the promised land and Solomon evidently was able to uh, make arrangements with those that traveled through such that they, uh, they paid tribute to him uh, as they traveled through the land. Uh, maybe it was uh, like a toll road kind of system. Maybe it was something different. We don't really know, but uh, this evidently, again, is, is the hand of God working to provide this unmatched wealth that he promised to Solomon. Um, next several verses deal with um, what are called targets, but are a type of shield. Verse 16, King Solomon made 200 targets. This is a type of shield of beaten gold. 600 shekels of gold went to one target. He made, he's got so much gold that shields are being made out of it. This is extreme wealth, exactly what God promised. Verse 17, he made 300 shields of beaten gold. 300, sorry, three pounds of gold went to one shield, and the king put them uh, in the house of the forest of Lebanon. He has an impressive and expensive throne. Uh, verses 18 and 19. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory uh, and overlaid it with the best gold. The throne had six steps, uh, and the top of the throne was round behind, and there were stays. These stays are probably armrests is the idea. Uh, on either side of the place of the seat, two lions uh, stood beside the stays, uh, and 12 lions stood there on the one side, uh, and on the other, uh, upon the six steps, uh, there was not the like made in any kingdom. The, his throne was more impressive than any king in any kingdom uh, ever. And it was befitting of the wisest, wealthiest king who, has, uh, who had ever or, or will ever reign upon the earth short of Christ himself. So... Uh, again, this, this just testifies to Lord's supernatural ability to keep his promise and his faithfulness to do that. He promised wisdom and he promised wealth. And this is just uh, an impressive demonstration of the Lord's power, his faithfulness. Even the, the, the glasses or cups that he drank out of reflected this, this superb wealth. Look at verse 21. All all the kings drink, so let me try again, verse 21, and all the king Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold. Every cup that he drank out of was gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. None were of silver, that would be less, you understand. Uh, it was nothing accounted of in, in the days of Solomon. Just, he had as, as much as anyone could ever imagine wanting he had a navy. We've seen reference to navy before. Here's another reference to his navy. Verse 22, for the king had a navy 
had at sea a navy of Tarshish. This is probably the Tarshish that we are familiar with. We don't know exactly where this would be, but it's probably the same. Uh, with the navy of Hiram, once in three years came the navy of Tarshish, bringing gold and silver and ivory uh, and apes and, and peacocks. Uh, the, the trade routes of these ships were so expansive that they would only come back to Solomon weighed down with the, uh, the, the earnings of their trade. They, they would only get back once every three years. But uh, evidently they came back with gold and silver and all, all kinds uh, of amazing wealth. Again, pointing straight to the Lord and his sovereign supernatural power and faithfulness to deliver to Solomon just exactly uh, as he promised. And verse 23 uh, just summarizes what we have seen. God has shown us uh, in the verses up to this point, and now he just says it, just in case we missed it. Verse 23, so King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and for wisdom. That's exactly, that's exactly what the Lord promised him. Uh, a couple more verses here, we're done. Uh, and all the earth sought to Solomon uh, to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Just a reminder there, just a reminder, the Lord promised he was that wise. And, oh yeah, be reminded, the Lord did that, verse 24. Verse 25, they brought every man his present, vessels of silver, vessels of gold, garments and armor and spices, horses and mules arrayed year by year. Uh, evidently, there were those around who would bring, pay tribute to uh, Solomon year by year. They, they would just bring more uh, and more, evidently wanting to maintain good relations with him. But, but we know this is the Lord orchestrating what he has promised. Now, um, last three verses are the last three verses of the chapter I don't want to rush them. I won't want to belabor them either. But once you see here, uh, the last three verses of the chapter uh, do point to the fact that Solomon's walk was not perfect. Amen? His obedience was imperfect. And we know the next chapter highlights the consequence of that. The you know, there's been little sins adding up, and eventually they add up to uh, a thing that, that he trips over and, and falls into great sin. Uh, so we've seen mistakes along the way. Sin, sinful choices along the way. Took a wife, an unbelieving wife, evidently from, from Egypt. That's a problem. God said don't do that. Uh, also, be reminded that back in, we're not going to go there tonight, but back in Deuteronomy 17, uh, the Lord told Israel that kings should not multiply unto themselves what? Do you remember? A certain type of animal? Horses. Don't do that. Uh, don't do that. We talked about this a, a while back. We, we saw some uh, reference to horses recently. Uh, evidently, the Lord's concern was that he, he wanted them to trust in him rather than in the military might of horses and chariots and, and horsemen. That probably would, would be the idea. That's, that's pretty plainly uh, the case. Psalm 33 says, And horse is a vain thing for safety. Um, 
Well, that's true. When the Lord chooses to give safety, there'll be safety. When he chooses to withhold that, he will withhold that regardless of how many horses or chariots or horsemen uh, you have. So that's just a quick reminder that for Solomon to be completely obedient, he would have to be obedient to the requirements of Deuteronomy 17, which included not storing up horses contrary to God's word. Now, with that in mind, look at verse 26. And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen, and he had a thousand and four hundred chariots uh, and twelve thousand horsemen, whom he bestowed in the cities for chariots. Uh, and with the king at Jerusalem. And king made silver to be in Jerusalem as stones, and cedars made he to be as sycamore trees that are in the vale for abundance. Verse 28, Solomon had horses brought out of where? Where? Egypt. Good place or bad place spiritually? Bad place. By the way, there's a lot of evidence that the corrupted Bible versions that have influenced modern translations also came out of Egypt. Alexandria. Interesting, right? Interesting. Uh, there was a great library there which burned, one of the wonders of, of the of past wonders of the world. Solomon had horses brought out of Egypt. How many do you suppose? Well, he had a thousand and and 400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, probably a lot, Brother Mike. He had horses brought out of Egypt uh, and a linen yard. The language, the Hebrew underscoring linen yard can refer to a collection, and this, this language may refer to a collection of horses. The king's merchants received the linen yard at a price. So he's, he's trading for horses out of Egypt, a place of wickedness. Verse 29, a chariot came up and one out of Egypt for 600 shekels of silver. Here's the price. And a horse for 150. Uh, and so for the kings of the Hittites and for the kings of Syria did they uh, bring them out by their means. Um, this, is, this is exactly contrary to the requirements of Deuteronomy 17, 16. Do you, do you think Solomon knew that? Gary, I think he knew that too. He had the word of God. He had the law. Uh, no doubt it was taught to him by David and, and by others. Uh, no doubt he knew this. So this is, uh, this is willful disobedience on the part of Solomon. Did the Lord know that he would do this? Did the Lord always know that he would do this? Yes, he did because he's omniscient. He, he knows all things. Uh, he knew. And so you know that if the Lord made promises to Solomon and, and kept those promises, as we've said many times tonight, that goes to the power and faithfulness of God. And by the way, he doesn't change. He's still as faithful. He's still as powerful. But the fact that he would make those promises and then keep those promises despite the obvious sinful choices that Solomon would make. That's grace. Amen? That's grace. Brother Art, we need to be very thankful tonight for grace. Amen? How are we saved? Uh, by the way, what, what is that grace? It's undeserved favor, right? Unmerited, undeserved favor of God. It's, it's, it's God's uh, favor uh, in, our, in our lives despite the fact that we don't deserve that. 
the Lord made promises and kept promises, despite the fact that Solomon's sin made him undeserving of that. He's a gracious God. How are we saved from the consequences of our sin today? Uh, by repenting of sin, turning from it toward Christ, placing our faith in him. Are we not saved by grace, the grace of God, which we get from him as we place our faith in Christ? We've not earned that. We don't deserve it. Christ himself earned it for us at the cross. It's a gift. It's not a free gift. Christ had to earn it upon the cross. Free to us, but not free to Christ. Cost him his life. Amen. Cost him all that he experienced. Amen. Uh, but free to us. We're saved by grace that we get, that we are recipients of, through simple, humble, repentant faith in Christ. A child can turn to Christ from sin and say, Lord, I understand I'm a sinner. The Bible says all sin to come short of the glory of God. I understand the Bible says you laid down your life for me that I might be saved from the consequences of my sin. And so I turn from sin to you. I'm placing my faith in the blood that you shed, your life that you laid down to be the price that is paid for my sin. I trust in the price you paid for my sin to be the thing that makes me right with God the Father. That's grace. That's grace. Uh, it's the same grace that Solomon knew that is available to us. God doesn't change. Same grace. The same grace is available to us. He's still a God who makes promises to his people. He's still that God who is able and faithful to keep his promises. He remains a God who is faithful to do that despite our imperfect obedience we'd have to say despite our sin is he a god who's worthy to be praised he's a god who's worthy to be worshiped he's a god who is uh, worthy of our service uh, our attention uh, our prayer let's stop there tonight and pray let's bow our heads father we do thank you lord tonight for your words all of them lord thank you so much for your faithfulness your power for your promises lord thank you tonight that you make promises to imperfect people sinners like us people who've been saved by grace through faith lord thank you so much tonight for making that possible through the cross lord we we can barely understand that but thank thank you lord tonight that we know it's true the price due for our sin was paid by Christ, your son. Uh, the, the righteousness of Christ being paid on to our account the moment we turn and place our faith in him. Lord, thank you for the grace that makes that possible tonight. Lord, if there's one person here tonight who's not made the decision yet to turn to Christ and simply confess their sin and place their faith in him for forgiveness of sin, I pray that they make that decision tonight. Lord, for the rest of us tonight, I, I pray that um, we just take a moment and, and stand in awe before you. Lord, and take a moment and, and worship you for your awesome promises, your awesome faithfulness, and awesome power to keep your promises. Lord, I pray tonight we, we just stand in awe of you. And Lord, as we do that, you just 
produce a, a wonderful gratitude in our hearts. I pray, Lord, we take a moment tonight and say, Lord, thank you. I am undeserving, but I am grateful. Lord, thank you. Help me to respond in love to you. Lord, help me to yield to you uh, and find strength, grace from you to obey you, which is the way you desire to be loved by us. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you tonight. Church, give you a moment to pray. Lord, we do worship you tonight. We do praise you tonight. We thank you tonight for who you are, what you're like, for what you've accomplished in our lives, for what you are accomplishing in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Thank you, Father, for our church, for teaching us the importance of the local church. Lord, thank you for brothers and sisters who love each other tonight. Thank you for each one who's here tonight. Thank you for others who may be watching tonight. Lord, have your hand upon each of us, please. Father, I love you tonight. Thank you, Lord, so very much for your words, for your grace, for your love, and your mercy. Lord, as we sing tonight, I pray that you just continue to place a wonderful gratitude in our hearts. As we pray tonight, Lord, I pray that we'd humble ourselves before you and look to you for all that's needed. Father, I love you again. I thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Zach, you come. All right, let's uh, stand as we turn to number 520. Standing as we turn to 520, we'll sing, Have I Done My Best for Jesus, number 520. for Jesus who died upon the cruel tree to think of his great sacrifice at Calvary I know the Lord expects the best from me how many are the lost that I have lifted how many are the chain I've helped you free I wonder have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me. The hours I have wasted are so many. The hours I spent for Christ so few. Because of all my lack of love for Jesus, I wonder if his heart is breaking too. How many are the lost that I have lifted? How many are the chain I've helped you free? wonder have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me. I wonder if I cared enough for others or have I let them alone. 
I might have helped a wonder to the Savior, the seed of precious life I might have sown. How many are the lost that I have lifted? How many are the chained I've helped to free? I wonder have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me. No longer will I stay within the valley. I'll climb to mountain heights above. The world is dying now for want of someone to tell them of the Savior's matchless love. How many are the lost that I have lifted? How many are the chain I've helped to free? I wonder have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for 